Okay. Welcome to Lima Land Hoops and History, the tournament edition. Great to be with you. My name is Matt Childers. We're presented by Westgate Entertainment Center. This is the podcast, March 16th, 2021. It's March Madness. Let the games begin. I'm so pleased to have at this very table, well, I guess virtually at this very table, it's uh, a couple of good friends, and uh, you know them well, folks. It's the head coach of uh, ELIDA and UNOH, and now the athletic director at the University of Northwestern Ohio. It's Coach Adams and son Drew Adams, the uh, former standout uh, from ELIDA and uh, the University of Chicago. We welcome them both in. Coach, how are you doing, man? Doing fine. Looking forward to talking to you. Yeah, let's I talk some. To get to see my son. Let's talk some hoops. Yeah, a little family affair here. <laughs> Drew, how are you doing, my friend? Coming to us from Chicago. Nah, no complaints here. No complaints here. All the snow's gone and uh, ready for some March hoops. Yeah, about 16, 15 days until opening day and uh, a little more before the uh, Masters. So we'll be there before you know it. Uh, listen, welcome to Lima Land Hoops. Uh, this is the tournament edition, folks. And uh, We've got a couple of items on deck broadly. Um, first, it's uh, the week of the Ohio High School Athletic Association State Basketball Championship. Fortunately for uh, the students, fortunately for the players and the fans and the coaches uh, in the communities, uh, there's going to be a state basketball tournament this year. It's the 98th edition of the state basketball tournament. going to be at UD Arena. You guys know it well. I think your uh, sibling went to... University of Dayton, Drew, is that right? That is right. Coach, you write a few Great. checks down there? You write a few checks I, I, to... I wrote some checks to the, to the Flyers. Do they... Sure. Do, do, when you write those checks, do they, like, send you any, like, gift cards back to the Pine Club or the Oakwood Club? That would be a nice gift. <laughs> but, no, all I get is, a, is a, a magazine telling me to maybe donate some more. So that's about it. Oh, that's good. All right, so they're going to be down at uh, UD Arena, and once again, Northwest Ohio represented really well it's really amazing uh coming out of this uh, area and it's gone on forever you guys have been a part of that uh, culture that we have here in northwest ohio uh this year in division four uh botkins will be uh participating and they will uh tee it up uh in the uh, first games on friday and then columbus grove plays in the two o'clock game uh, we won't get into the specifics of it uh just because uh, it's unfair to, to Drew living in Chicago uh, to be able to do that. But uh, one of uh, the uh, former WBL standout players, Sean Powell, uh, left Perry. He was an assistant coach with Matt Tabler, goes down to Botkins. And a few years later, he winds up at State. Uh, what do you remember about Sean Powell? I, I love the kid. I, I thought he was a really nice player. Had an outstanding senior year for Coach Heeson at Shawnee. Uh, beat us at Bowling Green. Uh, in the district finals in 1999, and uh, was a very elusive player. Had he, had he didn't get himself in trouble, had the ability to shoot it outside a little bit and get in the paint uh, and penetrate and dish, just a, had a good feel for the game. I think it was one of the reasons that, uh, one of the key reasons why Shawnee Indians had such a nice two year run there in 99 and 2000 with Coach Easton. They went state the following year, and uh, he's a big part of why they were able to go to state to get that confidence, you know, getting to the regionals and so forth. But uh, so proud of that guy to take a program. You know, you think of all the guys that do this and then and, and just get them to Columbus. Uh, you know, that, that's easier said than done. And I think I think we can't forget the uh, the accomplishment of what they've done there. Bakken's, you know, I drive down by and see 75 
and see that exit, I don't know that I would actually think Botkins is, is, is a basketball mecca or anything. You know, all of a sudden they're going to state. So you got to give Sean Powell credit what he's doing at that institution. Yeah, pretty cool. And pretty cool to have you, father, son, on the uh, program. Uh, he has his son as his point guard. Uh, Drew, you know a little bit about that. I mean, he his son was at, uh, at Shawnee, actually. Uh, Sean told me on the radio last uh, weekend. He was playing with the kids that uh, are going to state at Shawnee. So he was playing with George Mangus and Tyson Elwer um, and uh, Berkey. And and, uh, and now he finds himself uh, as the point guard of uh, Botkins uh, being able to play in a state semifinal, which is really cool for his dad. Uh, how does that rank with you? Yeah, you know, special opportunity, uh, you know, having a chance to play for my dad and some pretty awesome environments there, you know, growing up in Northwest Ohio. Uh, I'm still heartbroken by the game, by that game. Dad's talking about uh, the Sean Powell game. I was mm-hmm. sitting behind the bench wishing that I wasn't an eighth grader, but a freshman and I could get out there. Uh, but uh, just, you know, not, it, it's not all roses, not all flowers. Uh, it, it's, there's, there's challenging times playing for your dad. Uh, but in the end, those are four years I, would, I definitely wouldn't trade. And, you know, for him to, to be able to do that at the biggest stage, uh, you know, this year at UV Arena and what an un- unbelievable environment that'll be. Yeah, um, it's pretty special. Yeah, well, th- well said. Uh, so the other teams that are there, two WBL teams in Division Three, it's Ottawa Glandorf. And then Shawnee uh, will play Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary. Everybody knows Akron, St. Vincent, St. Mary from the LeBron James days and and then some. Uh, and then in uh, Division One, Lima Senior came up just a bit short. Uh, Coach, how, how would you describe the last couple of seasons for Shawnee? Uh, they've lost one game in 50-plus uh, games, uh, and that one game was to Finley when uh, their center, Tyson Elwer, was unable to play. I know they wouldn't say that as an excuse, but uh, they lost one game in all of those years. You battled Shawnee. You've battled OG. Uh, the WBL has been a great conference to watch basketball in. Uh, in the last, you know, I'll, I'll say my lifetime, 40 years of watching it. Uh, how would you describe the last couple of years? Well, I actually think, uh, let's start with Shawnee first. I, it's remarkable what that program has done in the last two years and, and, and the level that George Mangus has been an enabler for that to happen. And very talented young man, uh, a, a different type of a player. Uh, you know, Matt Childers, we, we, have, we have talked about, so we're blue in the face, the various players here in Northwest Ohio, you know, your top tier guys. Yeah. And, you know, you have a defining point guards in, in Aaron Hutchins and Jamar Butler. And, you, you know, then you have the athleticism of a Greg Simpson. And, and, and then you, you have you have Xavier Simpson, you know, another very, very good point guard. They all had identities in their own way. George Mangus is a, this is a compliment. It's not it is an enigma because he doesn't really have a definition, but he just gets the job done. He rebounds, he posts up, he's got a nose for the ball and how to score it. He leaks out a little bit and gets, makes himself have some easy opportunity. That's something you don't coach. He just does it, and the kid's getting the ball, but he finishes. He could leak out and miss it, but he doesn't. He just scores, and he's, he seems to have a timeliness about him uh, of putting, putting himself in a situation to make the play, make a big play, make a big – you know, maybe a steal, you know, or an igniting dunk, something like that. And that's what makes him special. And and I'm really I'm really happy that he's been able to do what he has. Now, Coach Triplett and, again, and the way he molded that team around him, everybody's got a role. 
uh, you know, we, we've watched them a couple times, and, and uh, they do a really good job. They are a tough out. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Uh, and they took the best punches for two years in a row of everybody. And I respect it, obviously, without, you know, I'm biased because, yeah, I'm a WBL guy a long time. But, but you know, the, when you take the best, best punches across the board for two years and you come out and don't lose the game, that is really something to be said. And then he played some nice non-league games this year. He upped the ante, I thought, a little bit that program did as far as who they were playing. And I, I don't know. I, I, just, I just feel like I hope they can ride this roller coaster as far as they can go. They may run into a buzzsaw here, but uh, wow, for a two-year run of being something like 50-2 and two or whatever, that is unbelievable and almost unheard of at the big school level in our area. You know, we've had runs of, of, of small, the D3s and D4s, but not, not big numbers like that. Yeah, now they, I'll just yeah. segue right into Ottawa because you made the bit about the WBL yeah. and then I'll, I'll let you guys uh, have a shot at them. Ottawa the difference with Otto Glandor is they are genetically linked to go to this level. I mean, I can go back to the, you know, the nineties and the, you know, the, the Dave sweet years and, you know, players they had in the mid nineties, Ryan Mag and, and Tyson McLaughlin, you know, are all involved in that program. They're all out there. Bench guys that are all their co- assistant coaches all played. And they I think their dads played back in the sixties and seventies. I bet their grandpa's played too. I just don't know them, but they, they at least grow up, with the mantra of winning, you know, they have won, they handle it, they, they, they do a good job, that, that place is very supportive. That program for many, many years, Matt Chillers, has done a lot of things right. I think it's one of the premier jobs in Ohio. If you're a basketball guy, yeah. I, I don't know where else you would want to go to have a chance to maybe go to Columbus every year. And on a down year, maybe get upset in the district, but that's your down year till you reload and maybe go back to state another year. It's just that kind of way and that kind of thing. And, you know, then, then you also got to look at Tyson McLaughlin's had talented players. But you know what I'd say about uh, him? He knows how to coach talented players. He knows how to put them in positions for them to excel. He knows how to teach them how to accept their role. And another thing about OG players, when they leave that program, they go on and contribute to the college they go to. And I think that's a mark of the program and, 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 and what they've done as they grow up in, in that town. So I, not, a, not enough to be said about the accomplishment of these two teams this year. And then, you know, obviously there, there, there's a, a really nice – sort of a root for them because of what they all went through last year. You know, the, the opportunity taken away. And we're lucky enough to have Ben Westrick here on campus at UNOH, one of their star players from last year, who didn't have the opportunity and uh, felt bad for them. But, you know, at least the community and the kids who are on this year's team return back and get to experience that. So that's enough being said about 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 the WBL and Shawnee and Van yeah. Wurzel. I'm sorry, Shawnee and OG's accomplishment the last couple of years. Yeah, no, it's uh, that's that's those are all very well uh, thought out points. I uh, drew from afar. You were living in uh, the New York City metropolitan area, now Chicago uh, metropolitan area. From afar, what do you know about Shawnee in the last two years? And just just to know that record of you know losing one game, no WBL losses in two years, and then of course Ottawa Glendorf, the ever present as Coach was describing. You know, the omnipresent Ottawa Glandorf, uh, always in the district final, always in the regionals, yeah. and then uh, in many, many years, uh, many instances in the uh, state uh, final four. I was like breaking out in hives. My dad listened to some of those names, just the ghost of uh, <laughs> of some great games and, and OG and Shawnee past. Uh, you know, I, I think the one thing, and I, taking for granted is the wrong way to say it, um, because when I grew up, it was just all I knew. Um, but until I, you know, got into some different areas, you know, living in Omaha and in Chicago and, 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 uh, and then the greater New York City area, D.C., 
um, you don't really understand that, you know, the, the situation that you have in Northwest Ohio with how, how much interest there is, how much success there's been uh, in terms of how many, you know, it, it, as opposed to how many people are there. Um, I used to tell my, you know, my college teammates, uh, my, my Friday night games would have 3000 people at it and they just didn't believe me <laughs> you know, until yeah. I showed them a tape or whatever, you know? Um, so the, the interest that you get, it's funny at a, at a young age, you, you learn uh, to, to perform, you know, in front of, in front of people with pressure and uh, what, what dad is saying at, at the division two, you know, the, the big school level to, to go for two years and win one game. Uh, you know, I follow you on Twitter. I see some of those box scores and it's just like, now I just look to see how many Mangus has. And then it's yeah. like, oh, 45 tonight? Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Uh, just another run in the middle of the day for him. You know, in the regional final? Oh, okay. You, you know, great. So, um, you know, it's funny. I, I, I feel like without having seen him a ton, you know, obviously never seen him live, seen a couple, you know, things on, online. Um, he, he seems like one of those guys that all of a sudden you're going to look up in two years and you're going to be like, wait, he ended up there? What? Oh, any scoring points there? Yeah, of course, of yeah. course. You know, and, and you know, with the COVID stuff, you know, the you know, scholarships and all that kind of thing is, is really fluid right now. But there's just no chance that that kid's going to find somewhere where he's going to be productive. Yeah, uh, just expand on that quickly for our uh, audience because that is a very important piece of what's going on here, where uh, the recruiting process has been a little stymied for incoming freshmen, and you can kind of describe what that looks like. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, division one scholarships they are, are capped at 13 per team and where the, the, the division one programs are really struggling right now is that everybody got a free year this year. So their seniors can come back. They don't, you know, the really good programs that are either in the tournament or just lost, they don't know if their seniors are coming back. Uh, so when you're doing a, uh, you know, a, a planning of, of what's going on, all of a sudden the normal, Hey, okay, we had three seniors this year. They're gone. We got to replace those guys with three. You know whether that's you know high school seniors or, or the transfer route or however way they do it, um, it's it's in total flux right now because they just don't understand. But and also they want access to other other Division One schools seniors who are leaving still have an extra year and they want to go play somewhere else. So it's like this really big log jam right now that uh, you know I, I have a bunch of buddies throughout the country that are they're trying to deal with it, they're trying to figure it out. But I think, you know, this senior class is really going to feel the brunt of it uh, because there's just going to be less opportunities. If I have two scholarships to fill and I can fill that with a 24-year-old, you know, graduate transfer senior as opposed to an 18-year-old because I'm going to be good next year and and that guy can help me, you know, uh, then, you know, that's the way it's going to go. So, uh, you know, I hope for Georgia's sake he figures, you know, something shoots for, you know, uh, works out for him um, and and you may have to go a different route. um, But... Uh, like I said, it's it's challenging this year uh, yeah. in that regard. And, and you know it well because you were a Division One assistant coach uh, at the uh, uh, at West Point uh, for multiple years. So, uh, coach, you got a thought on that uh, with what's happening? Because I know it's impacting your world as well. It, it is, and, and, and we're actually trying to figure out how we're going to finance the kids that want to come back and things like that too. The colleges. Yeah administratively I'm, I'm talking about but i think drew was very accurate and gave a portrayal of what they're going through you know and then the ability to train you know i, I pick up the news of today and, and uh you know the acc announces today that they're going to allow uh transfers and not they don't have to sit out a year and that that's going to be a change that may not take place immediately but it's going to be near future and so that whole mobility 
going around in Division One right now. You know, you know, in football, even the way we got Justin Fields and, and, and what he did, and, and what trickles down into the basketball world as well. It's very unique. And then the COVID thing of granting another year of eligibility, sort of. If you're a motivated kid, you've come, you know, uh, done a great job both academically and and athletically, and you know, you do a lot of things right. It's almost tempting to stay and play and get your MBA, get, you know, get a graduate degree in accounting or or you know, dabble at something yeah. and and, ta- and take that and you know, r- ride your way to give yourself another year to, to mature and things. And I know with the, those seniors that are making that decision, sure aren't worried about some senior in high school right now coming in there. Because, you know, in practice, that, that's a man playing a boy. And that's what a lot of the, the public doesn't understand. And as a coach, as I learned here, as I left you lighter, there is a huge difference between a guy that is 23 years old, you know, been around the block once or twice, and then an 18-year-old guy sort of coming in here, you know, proud of his, from his community and stuff like that. And he cuts through the lane early there in practice when it gets competitive and the coach starts chirping a little bit, and you get knocked on your butt. It, there's definitely a hierarchy there, and you figure out real quick, I may not be as good as I thought I was yeah. because nobody really bends down to pick you up either. Cause, yeah. You know, like, like they, they just let you go. <laughs> the, so it, there's a male, to, uh, you know, a testosterone check, so to speak. And I, and I always enjoyed it, but Drew was right. I mean, if you're, if you're in those D one guys, you're going to take a 24 year college guy coming out of SMU with another year rather than a high school star, even though he put up big numbers, you're going to take that stud because he's got a body that can allow you to compete. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The popcorn smells the same, but then when you get knocked down, it doesn't quite smell the same in college. <laughs> I know that feeling. Uh, so listen, uh, that's, that's, that's good. That's very good education for our audience uh, on that piece. So uh, just quickly back to Northwest Ohio teams. We have four, we've got Shawnee in D2, OG D3, Bodkins we talked about in uh, D4, and then Columbus Grove who had a similar run like Shawnee. They didn't have as similar of a year this year because they had some injuries uh, and they uh, went 25-0 and 0 last year. Uh, Chris Souders' club's back in uh, Division Four, and those two teams could meet in the finals uh, as Columbus and Grove and uh, Columbus Grove and Botkins could. So good for Columbus Grove, good for OG Shawnee, and uh, we'll do some recaps on that uh, uh, in the coming weeks on the Limeland Hoops and History's podcast. So uh, let's Matt, get it. Yes, go Matt, ahead. Do you care if I chirp in on one thing on this topic before we, we go to another one? Yeah, for I sure. I also want to put a shout out for the job that Quincy Simpson's done at Lima Senior. You know, they're, they're not in this conversation because everybody's going to state and, and you know, right. in, 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 in OG world, that happens a lot. Lima Senior's trail, to what the pathway they have to go to get there is pretty incredible. Daunting. In the league they play in, and, you know, they're coming off a year where they win it through COVID, fight things off, go in the tournament, play good basketball, uh, you know, and get there and finally get, you know, run into, you know, the the, 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 big, the big metropolitan Catholic schools are tough. If you're in the football basketball world, yeah. they're, just, they're just a total powerhouse. Uh, you know, and I don't want you to want to get into why they are a powerhouse because that's a whole other conversation, a whole other podcast. However, right. it is what it is, and you got to go play them. And you know they they played them tough, but 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 we I, we can't take for granted where Quincy Simpson has taken the Spartan program. Uh, not that not, they had some DNA too. They had some. Th- they've had some tradition. They've 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 gone down the pike once or twice yeah. before. But I feel like they're a top-notch D1 program year in year out. It's because of the job he does yeah. and how hard he gets those kids to play. I'm not too sure they're over over overly talented. 
on any of these given years. They got good players, you know, the Fulcher kids playing up at Bowling Green and doing a nice job. But at the D1 level, a lot of D1, uh, the, the people at St. Ignatius and, and, and at Toledo St. John's and the people that are playing, a lot of them have a guy here and there playing D1 basketball. So it's sort of an equal playing ground. But he gets it done year in, year out. And I got to give this parts program a lot of credit for our area. They are part of Northwest Ohio and the DNA that we, we, we've stressed and talked about in the podcast so far. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said that uh, because we, we I interviewed him the last three weeks on the radio program. And, uh, you know, they lost 10 seniors from last year, uh, two, two of which went on to play. Uh, one, at, as you just said, uh, at Bowling Green State University. And uh, no one was expecting that. They were, you know, in the preseason uh, in the track. They were supposed to be way down in the track. They win the track. He's, uh, they, they, you know, they take a share of the track uh, as they lost the last weekend at Toledo St. John's. But uh, all that being said, you're right. Uh, kudos to uh, Coach Simpson and what they were able to do and uh, all of the folks around. I also wanted to give a plug-in as I'm giving you the – my Zoom background, my home court advantage, the Elida Fieldhouse, the great venue here in Northwest Ohio. Uh, Dave Evans and his crew did an awesome job because they not only did what they normally do with all the girls tournaments and all of the regionals, the districts, they ended up taking on the D3 regionals for this area and D2 regionals for this area. And uh, they did a tremendous job uh, in the last few weeks. So kudos to Dave and his staff, the Lima, uh, the Elida Fieldhouse. If you couldn't go to Bowling Green, Drew, and you couldn't go to Toledo uh, to uh, punch your ticket to the state championship games, uh, Elida was the next best thing. And they put on a great uh, uh, performance for all of the fans and all of the uh, teams and coaches who came there. I was very, very impressed. I went in person to see... Shawnee play Akron Bucktel, and uh, they have a uh, all-American uh, uh, player in Chris Livingston. And man, did Shawnee take it to Akron Bucktel, and it was amazing. They were up 68-43 after three, but they were up 21-7 after one, and then just kept the pedal to the metal. And I was uh, very encouraged by what took place. And I, I was really glad, as Coach said earlier. Uh, he's proud of these folks who were battling through last year. Everything just came to a cold stop, and that's very heartbreaking for any of us who would compete in, at that, in that level. We would all at least have a notion of what that feeling would be. We wouldn't know what it would be, and I was really happy to see them all get out. Everybody got out except Lima Sr., who had their season cut short, uh, and Parkway, who was still in it in our area last year. So uh, all that around, really good stuff there. Uh, let's do this. Let's get into a little March Madness hoops. The brackets came out on Sunday. It feels a little different to me. Uh, I know it's going to be in a bubble over in Indiana. Uh, I'm really pleased for that, uh, that, uh, that, that it's taking place. Uh, I think they call it a confined environment, that type of thing. They'll be at different venues. You guys have been to a lot of those venues, IU and Purdue and West, in West Lafayette. And then it'll all culminate at Lucas Oil in uh, Indianapolis. So why don't you just share with me, Drew, from a Division I coach's standpoint, uh, what that would be like to be able to have to go that route versus, hey, we're going to Spokane, Washington, or we're going to, you know, Charleston, South Carolina, or Atlanta, Georgia, or Washington, D.C. for that first round. How do you think this is going to play out? It's a great question. It's definitely going to be a different style of tournament. Uh, when you take away the travel, that I mean, uh, all of a sudden, 
you show up and you play Gonzaga in Spokane or in Seattle, that, that's going to be di- that's a lot different than playing them in Indianapolis at you know in, in West Lafayette. Um, so there's definitely going to be uh, it's going to change it. I, I from what I can tell, and anyone I you know I, I've talked to, everyone's just so appreciative that they're getting the chance to play. You know, especially like you mentioned, how, how things just totally shut down and and basically disappeared last year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It's been a trying year. It's funny. I've talked to a lot of coaches who lost, and, and you know, maybe lost in the final or lost. And you know, as heartbreaking as they are, as the season was over, it's such it was such a stressful year with all of the COVID testing and 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 not knowing are we about you know today when you wake up are we about to go on a two week pause? Um, yeah. That the uncertainty of it all um, certainly has added some stress to this year. But I think you know once you tip tip it up uh, Friday afternoon and and uh, you know I, I think. It's, it's going to be a great environment for the best teams to show that you know that that they are there, and and, and the best mid majors to show that you know that they belong to. So uh, I'm really excited for it. You know, losing it last year was a heartbreaker for the basketball fan in me, uh, but then also, you know, knowing some coaches who it affected too was was pretty rough. Yeah, indeed. Uh, okay, so give me your reflections on the Big Ten this year. I, I felt like the Big Ten. I have to tell you that Northwest Ohio basketball, high school-wise, and the Big Ten, it got me through the winter. Um, it was something that got me through the winter and how good they were. But what are your reflections on the Big Ten? Oh, I, I, I couldn't be more with you. Uh, I, I remember calling Dad halftime on a, on a Friday night in January, which would never be watching college basketball on a Friday night in January. You know, you, especially in Northwest Ohio, you're at a game or whatever. Yeah. And I called him at halftime of the Iowa-Illinois game. It was, uh, I believe it was Iowa at Illinois. And it was an incredible game. And I was like, are you watching this? You got to turn this on right now. This is, this game is incredible. And so I, I'm hundred percent with that. That was January. There was, you know, it felt like 30 feet of snow outside. And, uh, I, I'm with you. It got me, got me through. And it's funny because I had kind of, getting to different areas of the country and working at Creighton for a year, I really threw myself into the big East and kind of stayed with it after that. Uh, I, I found myself when I had a choice in previous years, going to whatever great big East game was on that night and kind of leaving the big 10 behind. Not always, but this year was the exact opposite. I was looking for whatever big 10 game was on uh, because, you know, top to bottom, they were, you know, it, it was strong, but also it was really entertaining. I mean, we're talking about in, in the Ken Palm ratings, Know, four of the top seven offenses in the country were in the Big Ten. And, and you know, you think Big Ten basketball, you're not thinking about great offenses. Yeah. Uh, so, um, you know, it, it, four of the top seven, and, and that's in a down year with Michigan State, who's been exactly. the standard bearer of, of the Big Ten. So uh, it, it's been a really fun, whether you talk about, you know, elite players like Luke Garza and Ayo DeSumo or, um, you know, fun teams like, like Iowa or like Ohio State, um, Purdue had a really fun year. It was really fun to watch them improve throughout the year with their young guys. Uh, <laughs> shockingly, they have another seven foot three guy who is just gigantic and and j- just kept getting better and better and better. And all of a sudden, they're running plays where it's like I don't I don't know how you stop that. He's seven foot three. He's just standing next to the back. They throw it up there and he dunks it. So uh, <laughs> talking about Zach Eady, obviously. So uh, I mean. Whether it's coaching, whether it's uh, the quality of play, it was a really, really fun year in the Big Ten. Yeah, so every Saturday morning I would do a basketball ranking in the high school world, and then I would do another one in the Big Ten. And I think I probably did that all the time anyway, but it was fun to do this year. Um, One team you didn't mention, which was the team that I had my eye on uh, a lot, was Michigan. 
and what Jawan Howard's been able to do there. And what kind of got me addicted, I've always been a Big Ten fan, but what kind of got me addicted was Dakota Mathias going to Purdue. So now I was watching all the Purdue games, and that was just a normal. So they're in my saved uh, score app. They're highlighted there. So I've always seen where they're playing. And then at Michigan, because of Xavier Simpson, and, uh, of course, we went and followed Dakota, Coach, uh, and uh, your mom and I uh, went to Washington, D.C., or uh, vice versa, New York City, and then Washington, D.C. to begin with, and New York City, Madison Square Garden. Turns out Purdue plays Michigan in the final. Uh, really got to attach to those two teams and kind of their program. And I thought, well, Michigan's going to be really down this year. They're going to have a really down year. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, they come out and, uh, you know, they get the kid from DeMatha Dickinson. And uh, he was just an amazing frontline player for them. Uh, they were able to plug in Smith at point guard for Xavier Simpson. Wasn't as good as Xavier, but was able to add some things. And then Isaiah Livers and uh, and Wagner had great years. Uh, and when I look at that, I think, gosh, that's a great basketball. They shared the ball. They were unselfish. Uh, they played within this team concept. I think it's been great for for uh, Coach uh, Jawan Howard, you know, to really have Phil Martelli there, that uh, wise, you know, old soul on the bench. So I looked at Michigan, and I would rank them, and I would, you know, be – Michigan and Jason Geyser, sports director at Hometown Station, he hates Michigan because he went to Ohio State. And I'd put Michigan <laughs> at the top and just to just to get him a little bit. But, man, Chris Holtman, they were supposed to be seventh or eighth or sixth. And the job that he did and the, the ability for Ohio State to play that well. And then you mentioned Iowa and Illinois. Uh, and Michigan State was supposed to be the darling. They had beat Duke early on. They were supposed to be the darling of the Big Ten. And uh, I just have to say, I mean, I, you know, I've, I've said, you know, probably a lot and then not a whole lot in this segment, but I was really thrilled with the Big Ten. Uh, Coach Adams, uh, what are your thoughts uh, coming off of Drew and, and my thoughts there? Well, you guys, you guys are spot on a lot of things. And, you know, until this afternoon before the podcast was going to begin, you know, I, I did my little very light pencil scratching in of the bracket because you know you're not going to darken it till you actually get all the facts you're not using the marker yet (laughs) subliminally matt and drew i just found myself advancing the big 10 teams because Mm. i was looking at like well man i saw them play like drew was reflecting back to one and they and they can beat that team even you know uh, purdue and something like that who they're going to play but purdue can actually you know go ahead and beat nova there's other years i've gone oh man that's a total upset because you know what nova has but I've watched both of them because, like Drew, I've been watching the Big East a little bit as well because we like Creighton so much. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's just been a banner, banner year. And, and it might be a year where the Big Ten success and what they've done and the grind they went through might carry over onto the tournament. And we, we might actually get – I feel like the Big Ten historically has been a little bit of a disappointment with coming in with big billing and then not really in the first round – losing, uh, getting six teams in and losing four of them, you know, and having the two go on on Michigan State and, and so forth, but in uh, a Michigan uh, previous years here. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's very, very fun. And, and I love the Buckeye team, you know, and, and I look at I, I look at two coaches that exited this week. I, I know that's, I don't want to segue into our next thing, you know, with, yeah. with, with, with Indiana, Minnesota, Minnesota vacating. But think of their, they lost a job. They both had decent teams. And they couldn't get it done in a league that, that is, you know, really 
really, really tough this year. So they, they, they were ousted. You know, the guy Collins at Northwestern does a great job. Drew and I have a, have a heart out for Northwestern because we figure how hard that is to recruit there to get those kids in there. Yeah. They're competitive as heck. Uh, always and they they have nothing to go on right now you know like like they, they, they're just in a really good league they have nothing but nothing about the big 10 it, it, it's been great it's been enjoyable i can't think of a better year in my last 25 years where i've enjoyed it more than this year yeah did you want to say something there drew yeah, yeah. one thing to add to your michigan point chili when they were dialed in their defense was as, yeah. as good as there is in the country they got after guys and they had the size to do it they had the, and, yeah. and the length and all that kind of stuff but man i've I, when I was at Army, we played against Mike Smith uh, while he was at Columbia, uh, just throwing to a side. We were 2-0 against him. But uh, <laughs> he didn't play any defense. <laughs> he was talented. He was great. He scored all the, all the points for Columbia. He didn't play any defense. Yeah. Juwan, had him, uh, Juwan Howard had him bought in, had that group bought in, and they got after teams. And, uh, you know, I, I think segueing into the next one, I'm a little concerned about them in the tournament without livers. No they, they've struggled. Yeah. They've struggled when they've had a guy out. They lost when they didn't have Brooks a couple times. They, they're good in the Big Ten tournament, but as soon as Livers went out, they weren't. They couldn't ratchet up to that same level. Uh, but man, when they're at their peak playing defense, oof, they were fun. I, I think you're a thousand percent correct. I, 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 as I penciled in a couple of teams too. Uh, unfortunately, I would have had them. Uh, going a long way, uh, but without Isaiah Livers, he was averaging 16 and change, and just really, I think, the heart and soul of their team. And he was kind of that carryover from those teams that were winning uh, in D.C. and winning in New York City and Madison Square Garden. And they just lost last year barely in the Big Ten championship game to Michigan State, I believe. So, you know, that to me is really interesting. That was 2019, by the way. Um, that, to me, is interesting. And then Mike Smith, for those of you that don't know, he was the point guard that took over for Xavier Simpson this year. So w- when you think about it, let me ask you this. More likely to get to the Final Four, Illinois or Iowa? I like uh, Illinois, uh, without a question, because I, I th- for me, there's one clear-cut great team in this tournament, and that's Gonzaga. And so for Iowa – to have to, to have to have them in their bracket, yeah. uh, it's not it's not impossible when you have a guy like Luka Garza, uh, you you can beat anybody. Yeah. But top to bottom, that Gonzaga team is is loaded. They have they have depth, they have experience, but then they also have a lottery pick guard in Jalen Suggs. I mean, the, the teams just came out. I believe they had one on the first team and two on the second team uh, of the AP All American. That's right. So that team's loaded. Uh, I actually think one of the two to three teams that can give Gonzaga a run uh, is Illinois. And I really like Illinois' path. I, I think their path is much is much cleaner. Um, uh, we'll talk a little bit about who I think can trip them up. Yeah. But I, I really like, uh, I mean, you those those three guards for Illinois, uh, Corbello, uh, uh, Jasunmu, uh, and uh, Trent Frazier. Whew. I mean, when they get it going, they're tough. And then you add in Coburn with that. Illinois is good, and yeah. Brad Underwood knows what he's doing too. He's won everywhere he's been. Yeah, very good, uh, Coach. Uh, you've you've seen a lot of Big Ten basketball. More likely, more likely to get to the Final Four now with Isaiah Livers hurt. With that little caveat in there, Ohio State or Michigan? Oh, well, I would lean to Ohio State. Of course, that's a little bit of a biased comment. I'm reflecting back on your first one. You asked Drew. I, I like, but but see, Illinois, and even if you compare them to the teams you just 
did right there with uh, with Livers being out. Illinois has a toughness component about that team. Those yeah. guards are tough. And that, that's yeah. the difference between them and Iowa. So now you go to Ohio State. Uh, what Ohio State has is a very good coach that's got those kids playing at a top level, bought into their role. They don't have the point guard that the other programs that we're mentioning have. He's not bad, but he's, he, is, he is not – even Bohannon at, at Iowa, he's going to knock down threes and do some things and get everybody involved and get the ball inside and, and distribute it side, top side to the shooters that they have. Uh, but, but uh, you know, he, 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 the difference is, is if, if Ohio State can keep from having bad turnovers, that's why they lose leads at the end. If people will say, well, we keep losing leads, it's because of – decisions by the guards mm. and i get so frustrated poor drew my son you listeners he has to hear the venting of his father as i just tee off on their decisions of what they could be able to do but they don't but i think i don't want to take it away from holtman because i put him on a pedestal he's done a great job this year yeah but i just think between those two teams i think i think uh if livers was healthy my answer is michigan is in there yeah without livers that there's a chink in their armor the buckeyes though they just got to plot through. They remind me of some other Purdue teams of the past. Good. You want to root for them. They're tough. But I don't. they have to do a lot of things well to advance far in this tournament. Uh, lack of being able to defend a big man and lack of consistent point guard play are their two, two blemishes that I see yeah. the Buckeyes going to have to overcome. If they, Lydell cannot go 3 of 16 like he did in the finals. Hell, they lost in overtime. But he goes three for 16. If he goes eight for 16, they win that game. Right. And maybe it's a little bit different. But I'm just saying they don't have as big a margin there as an Illinois or, yeah. or an Iowa, I don't think. Uh, I agree with you on the Bohannon and, and C.J. Frederick. C.J. Frederick, uh, his, uh, his uncle played at uh, Notre Dame, and I knew him. He was in the radio world, and he's actually an Ohio guy. He played in Kentucky just over the border. But I actually like – I'm with you. I, I like – uh, Illinois guards better than Iowa, so I'm with you. I take Iowa or Illinois to advance uh, more likely to advance uh, further than than Iowa would be. Uh, just just real quickly on that Big Ten, just staying in there. Um, you know, Thad Mata uh, was fired by Gene Smith after he gave him a reprieve of about I don't know if it was 45 days or 60 days, and within that time period, Indiana went and got Dayton's Archie Miller. And then Ohio State was, you know, then relegated to picking up Chris Holtman. Well, that sure, Drew, that sure turned out to be a win for Ohio State. What are your thoughts on the uh, the demise of Archie Miller at IU and then uh, the Buckeyes picking up Holtman? Yeah, it's funny how things work out that way. And, and you know, it, it, it like Dad was saying, the, the Big Ten was such a tough uh, – Doggy dog world, whatever you want to say. Archie Miller was the slam dunk hire four years ago, mm-hmm. and he didn't forget how to coach. He actually got the one and done guy that everybody in Indiana wanted him to get, Romeo Langford. It didn't quite work out because Langford wasn't healthy, you know, his entire time. Uh, it, it, you know, he just didn't have a great go of it. And I actually think, uh, with how basketball crazy Indiana is, it's a little Nebraska footballish in that they have this this. Ex- uh, expanded viewpoint of I think what they are um, as opposed to in the in the landscape uh, of what they really are they, they think that you know they're thinking back to the, the, the Bobby Knight days and I'm not quite sure they're there right now 
Um, but I think what really hurt Archie this year is their team just wasn't aesthetically pleasing. They, they were not fun to watch. There, there was not a team that an Indiana fan who was just, you know, uh, got back from work, wanted to turn on and watch them score 45 points. Uh, as good as Trace Jackson Davis was. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I, I think if you rewind it four years and play it again, it, it, it could have gone different. But, it, you know, it didn't. And you're right. It, it worked out well for Ohio State. I've always thought the, the world of Chris Holtman, he, he hired a great staff uh, as well. And uh, I, this is actually even a little early, I thought, for them to be a two seed. And, great. And, and, competing for a Big Ten championship. I thought it was going to take them three, four years. Uh, it had just gotten away from Coach Mono a little bit um, there at the end. But, man, you know, there was no arguing that he could coach. In that, And uh, they got some uh, – they got guys in there that can play. And, and then they've also developed. I mean, E.J. Liddell's uh, uh, improvement uh, from last year to this year is huge. And, and that, that that's a testament to him, but it's also a testament to that staff. Uh, yeah. Developing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... That's a really good education for our audience. Interestingly enough, uh, Indiana basketball history, IU has, uh, this is uh, John Rothstein, I believe, from uh, CBS Sports, uh, five national titles. Uh, there was two before 1953. Bobby Knight has the other three. Final fours, eight. Knight has five of those. Elite eight, 11. Knight has eight of those. Sweet 16s, 22. Knight has 14 of those. And Big Ten uh, titles, 22. Six were before 1960 and Knight has 11. So, uh, wondering if it's a uh, great destination or was that a great coach who was able to propel that uh, university to what it's uh, known as, at least in our area, uh, and certainly in Coach and I's lifetime growing up. Um, interestingly enough, there's a couple of people on that radar. Uh, John Beeline was mentioned. Brad Dave, uh, Brad Stevens, who uh, has left, uh, or you know, has left Butler to go to Boston to coach the Celtics. Said today on a Boston radio station, he is not interested in that. Uh, we'll take him at his word. And then there's others uh, in there. The the Chris Beard of the world at Texas Tech, uh, where Bobby Knight once coached. Uh, he's got a five million dollar deal. Uh, my buddy Clayton Duncan, our Southwest Bureau chief, tells me they have a new thirty-five million dollar practice facility. He doesn't think this is the time. But he knows that Beard's leaving at some point. He just doesn't know if this will be the time. So uh, any thoughts on who might uh, step into those shoes at IU? I don't love Beard for Indiana. Uh, not that he isn't a great coach. He's terrific. Uh, he's a Texas guy. I mean, he took the UNLV job uh, and then a week later backed out when Texas Tech came open. He's a Texas guy. He has Texas roots. And if I had to guess, I think he's – going to try to stay at texas tech as long as he can until potentially until maybe texas opened up mm. uh, i think that would be the the prime name tech you would hear if, if uh texas and shaka smart ever or or, or maybe up. kansas that too with, with that too. Self, Again, right same, in that era that, area exactly that too same area so uh you know to me i i mentioned i don't think he'd be the slam dunk hire uh i'll leave him i'll leave my slam dunk hire for them next but shaka smart's an interesting one it hasn't worked out great at Texas. I think he can potentially change that here in these next three weeks. Uh, he's got a really good team and, and uh, uh, could potentially change that. But that hasn't quite gone as well as, as – and then, like I said, may not be the splash hire Indiana fans want, but he's good. Uh, I think the splash hire for them would be Porter Moser from Loyola, Chicago. Mm. Uh, I think he knows – he's as good of a, a program builder and, and, and uh, culture driver 
Um, and I think he could bring in a little bit of the uh, of, of what Indiana's missing. Um, it, on the recruiting side, yes, but also just, uh, you know, the gravitas, the, the expectation, like, hey, you know, I, I've done it at a place like Loyola. I've been I've been to different places. I've worked for a guy like Rick Majerus. Uh, and I think, you know, I think he'd be it, especially if I, if Loyola does what I think they could do here uh, this weekend. I think I think that might be a name that, that, that could that could uh, uh, surface here. Yeah. Uh, did Mosher he coach with Rick Majerus? He did. He was uh, he was an assistant for, for Rick Majerus at, for uh, at Marquette uh, or at Utah. Yeah. I believe. I believe well, it was at SLU, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Oh, it's St. Louis. Okay. Yeah I, didn't, yeah, I didn't want to put you on the spot there. Uh, Majerus was nope. one of the all-time greats. I mean, really, the all-time yeah. greats. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Chili, so, can, I ch- Chili, can I chime in quick? Oh, for sure. Go right ahead. The interesting combination that I'm seeing, and we're talking about the Indiana job, and, 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 and three, three people I want to mention as to why Michigan was the second-best team in America this year prior to Livers' injury. And that is Coach Beeline took a program there and taught them how to play. They were they, – those kids ran his offense. They, they were tough. He recruited to them, and they, they, they flowed in that offense. And Xavier just ran it here from Lima, just just ran it for three and a half years for the most part. And that So now exit John Beeline, enter Jawan Howard with an interesting combination, an old guy, sort of an East Coast guy, Knows basketball, quiet, does just a solid job in the 810 at St. Joe's. And, and so the combination of pro player, pro savvy, pro knowledge mixed with an old guard college basketball, uh, you know, m- m- sort of a voice of reason type of a guy. He knows he's offense. He actually has some ideas to help the defensive coordinator as well and so forth. Is that something Indiana should look at? I don't know the name of the NBA assistant. Uh, And I don't know the name of the retired or older uh, college guy that would do it. But, boy, Michigan really went from good, good, and they just stayed really good with a new combo where Coach Beeline had nothing to do with those two guys. But other other than – but I agree with your comment. Martelli's done great. And the media, Bill Rafferty, you listen to those guys, they all chirp about him. But that's what staffs are. Ryan Day's out. Totally agree. Clemson, Alabama, football, high state, they all have really good staffs. And they pay those guys a lot of money, and there's a reason why. And I'm not too sure that that is a way, a way Indiana shouldn't look to to try to get back and swing to whatever Drew made a comment, whatever landscape actually is now, not the unreality of where they think they should be. They need to make some changes. Maybe that combination would work. That's just yeah, my two I like it. Oh, no, I, I really like it. The model obviously has, has worked well. Uh, we'll see how that goes. So that job's open. Richard Patino is now out at Minnesota. He's now – uh, at New Mexico, he was unemployed for about seven, I think, 17 and a half minutes uh, overnight. Uh, he's hired by New Mexico, and that job is open. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about that in future weeks going forward. All right, uh, let's get to it. The, the big headlines to me are, you mentioned it, Gonzaga drew uh, number one seed. They seem to be the overall favorite uh, in terms of what Vegas says. Baylor, Illinois, Michigan, those are the top seeds. Um Let's do it this way. Drew, why don't you tell tell me uh, of those four who you have advancing into the final four and then who the surprises are that you think, um, not in the early games, but that would advance to the final four if they would not, or more likely to advance. Sure. So I have Gonzaga 
uh, in, in the Final Four. I, I just, I, like I said, I think they're too deep, too talented. Mark Few is, is as good a coach as there is in the country. Uh, I, I find it, I, I find it hard to to see someone who's going to beat them. Uh, not that in a one game scenario it can't happen. Uh, it, it, Baylor's an, is the interesting one to me uh, because ever since they came back from their COVID pause, they haven't defended to the level that they have. If they can, they can get back to the, the level of defense. I don't know how much you guys have watched Baylor, but they got stud guards and they are they have men. And uh, I, I don't like that matchup for Ohio State. Um, I, I foresee a, a great elite game between Baylor and Ohio State, um, but I don't like that matchup at all for Ohio State. I think those Baylor guards are, are really, really good. It would be a tough matchup for them. Um, so I have them in the Final Four. I, I, I'm subscribing to the theory that, you know, this has been a Gonzaga-Baylor year all year. And I know Baylor's, like I said, tripped up a little bit here since their COVID pause, but man, they're good. And if they if they get focused in, 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 in on the defensive end, they have a chance to to they could beat Gonzaga. Um, the, the the other one, see, I, I've really found I, I really like the matchup between Illinois and Loyola Chicago in the second round. Loyola Chicago is going to have to beat Georgia Tech, who just won the ACC tournament, um, but. I, you know, obviously I, I'm, I'm here locally, so I've, I've watched almost all of their games. And what's pretty cool is that uh, former Delta St. John's uh, head coach, Brett Norris, his son, Braden Norris, is the starting point yes. guard there. Uh, and Loyola had two really good guards last year who they brought back this year. And Braden beat one of them out. Um, and they have a rotation. They still, you know, play. But for Braden to come in there, you know, transferring in from Oakland and, and to beat one of those dudes out was really impressive. And he's, I mean, if you watch, if you watch the Missouri Valley tournament, I mean, the, the reason why they won is Brady Norris had 20. Uh, so that's been really fun. I, I recruited him a little bit at army. Um, so that, that was a, a fun story uh, to follow. And they, they can give Illinois everything they want. And, it, and if I think actually personally, I think the winner of that game is going to the final four. Um, so I think that highly of Loyola, I just, after watching Illinois this weekend, I don't know how you pick against them. So, I know it's not really exciting, but I do have three one seeds in there. I think those three are as good as you're going to find in the country. And then I would actually, I would argue that Michigan should even be better than uh, Baylor or Illinois, but that liver's injury really scares me. Yeah. And I think so. I think that opens up the door. And, and I have uh, two teams that I think uh, jump out at me in that region, and that's Texas and Alabama. Okay. Uh, both have really, really good guard play with athletic front courts. And with those two combinations, yeah, really, you know, good guard play with athletic front courts. I mean, Texas guys, two NBA guys uh, playing on their front line, and their and the focus of their team are the three guards. So uh, I actually have Texas in the Final Four. I would have picked Alabama. I don't like the Josh Primo injury for Alabama. Uh, he's a freshman for them that that's been really good. He's not one of their top guys, but he he's been a starter all year, and. Uh, I, I think the winner of that game, I think it's going to be Alabama-Texas, and I think the winner of that game is going to the Final Four. And, again, it's not because I, I'm i a Buckeye guy and I I, I, I watch I enjoyed watching Michigan as much as anybody. But, you know, I, that injury is tough. I think that, so. That liver's injury is tough. You, and it's funny how that works in, in March. It's, it's the team that, that grabs some luck uh, yeah. with, with injury that that, um, that that moves forward. So those are, the, those are my Final Four. Um, I don't know if, if, if you want anything else – couple other teams that i highlighted that i really like uh that, that could potentially be dark horses in gonzaga's region i like usc and oregon uh we don't get a ton you don't get to watch those guys a ton usc has maybe the number one number two pick in the nba draft right. uh, evan mobley 
Um, and they have some experience uh, in their backcourt as well with uh, some of the grad transfers that they took. Um, I like Florida State in the East. Um, and uh, I, I like Texas and Alabama better, but I think Florida State's there. Um, in the South region, I, I like Purdue. I, I do. I, I don't I don't like their matchup with Baylor. But, if I mean, we're in their backyard. If you, if you told me Purdue beat Baylor in Sweet 16, it wouldn't be you know shocking to me. Uh, and then lastly, you know, you can't grow up in the household I grew up with. You know, Coach Huggins has a has a yeah. You know, he's always been someone that we've followed. And, and uh, uh, whether it was the Cincinnati teams, and this is a weird year for his team at West Virginia. They're usually known to be elite defensively, and actually this year they're much better offensively than defensively. So uh, it's kind of a wrinkle there. Um, but I, I, you know, they're always someone that I keep an eye on. They've been a little bit hard to track this year. Uh, they've they've won some great games and then lost some head scratchers, but uh, you know. Coach Huggins knows what he's doing. So this, this is why we have you on the program. See, this is why we have you. We need this information. That's very good, Drew. Uh, all right, Coach. Headlines are Gonzaga, Baylor, Illinois, Michigan. Um, who do you have uh, coming out of those regions into the Final Four? I'm going to start off with my upset bid. Okay. I, I don't always agree with my son, which is probably why he's successful. And I'm I, 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 I'm going to try to sail off. <laughs> I play golf every day here at the tail end of my career. But, you know, I thought I thought you had to go and pick some type of an upset. And the upset that I have early is the Big 12 runs up and down that floor with athletes. Night in, night out. Whether it's West Virginia, you're watching Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Texas, Baylor, you know, and, and, and just running up and down. I think a really tough matchup for them is going to be Wisconsin. Because I think Wisconsin is going to bother North Carolina, who's susceptible to turnovers. It's the one thing you don't want to do when you're playing Wisconsin is give them the ball and easy. They're going to control the tempo in this tournament all the way till they play Purdue, and then they're going to go look at film for what they did. Because I have Purdue beating Nova, and I have the, a Big Ten up there. Not because I'm – it's just that Baylor – if I'm a Baylor fan, I don't like Wisconsin at all because I know what Wisconsin will do. And they're just smart enough and savvy enough to do it. They have those two guards who have played for three straight years now, and they're going to control that game. That game is not going to go up and down the floor like Baylor would want it to, and like how Baylor's played. That that's just a quick little thing there. I got you know I, I ran into the thing. I, are I you like are you taking players. Wisconsin? I took Wisconsin. Then I have I have Purdue beating them. Okay. And then I got our then I got our Buckeyes beating Purdue and into the Final Four. So the Buckeyes in Illinois. Illinois mentioned that or uh, Illinois had a a halfway decent track to go. The Buckeyes, if they just take care of business, they actually don't have to pull any big upsets. They just have yep. to play and win. Uh, you know, so I'm just going with a little bit of an odds bet with them because I don't know that anybody else could beat them. Uh, 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 it scares me with that Florida matchup, what I have, because I really like the uh, Castleton kid. Uh, is a lot like the big kid from Michigan. If you guys want to know a mental, uh, a mental picture of him, he's really good. And we have so much trouble with good big guys. In the, in the block here at Buckeye Field. Moving along, though, Matt, because I, I know I want to hear what you have to say as well. Down below, I, I, I ran Michigan through out of loyalty, but I like Florida State. I always like I like them. Florida State and Alabama are an enigma to me. They're both really talented. They, they're really well they're – well, the new guy at Alabama has just been a hero coming from Buffalo, and they're doing a great job down there. Drew, where I, I have them beating Michigan, and I have Alabama as an upset down below just because I watched Alabama this weekend, and – they got the inside-outside length, so athleticism. 
uh, they, they're in a they're in a bracket where they could use that. And and uh, if uh, Michigan upsets Florida, that'll be a heck of a game. It, I got a, I, Florida State. I got a good Alabama stat for you. They are top three in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency. Uh, so you're talking about one of the three best defenses in the country, and they make over 10 threes a game. So they're in like top five, top 10 in the country in terms of made threes per game. So you, you add those two things into your tour- tournament formula. You can make threes and you can guard, guard people. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I like that pick a lot. Yeah. I do. We got- I saved the best for last, Chili. I got the Zags winning it all. Just so you know, they come out and they got beat Bama and, and they got, they're playing Illinois. I, I feel like they're the two best teams. Yeah. Michigan out, delivers out of Michigan. So, you know, I got the Zags winning it. Tiebreaker at 172, 88, 84 final. <laughs> love so, it. Know, if I can stay up long enough to watch it, I, that, that's a big I love. In my house. We'll have to have a. We'll have to have a. Uh, we'll watch the first half. Have a couple of adult <laughs> tall beverages uh, for the go. first half and see. Um, yeah, uh, that all of that is really good. Uh, just a couple of specifics, uh, Drew. How big is Colin Gillespie being out for Villanova? And then, did you do you have Wisconsin beating North Carolina? Because I do not. Uh, like your dad. Uh, first off, that that injury crushes them. He's their heart and soul. Uh, they have no other, you know, backup guard that you know that that can even come close to simulating. They actually in the Big East tournament they got upset by Georgetown when they played Archidiakono, uh, his brother, his younger brother, yeah. uh, who was trying to do an impersonation, but he's he, uh, not not quite there. Um, and then their other their other two guard, Justin Moore. Uh, had a really bad ankle sprain. He played in the Big East tournament, but you know, again, it's just, when you're talking about luck in March, that's those, those are bad breaks. Do you have Winthrop beating uh, Villanova? Do you have uh, Villanova? I do. Yeah. Okay. I do. Okay. Uh, and then, how about I, North I, Carolina and Wisconsin? I, I'm on the flip side of this. I, I don't see it with Wisconsin. I, I know they got a bunch of old guys. I know. I know how much experience they have. I, I haven't seen it with them all year. I, and one thing that struck me was I listened to a podcast about a couple weeks ago with uh, with Chris Holtman. He talked about two years ago when they upset Iowa State, they were just so excited to not play another Big Ten team that they felt like they had a really good chance and they went and pulled an upset with uh, against a team now who has two NBA guys uh, on it. So that was a great win for Ohio State in that one. But And so the argument for Wisconsin is take the shackles off of the Big Ten and they get to play. It's, a, it's, not, it's an underachieving North Carolina team. And, and like I said, Baylor's not – at, at the peak that they were a month and a half ago, but I I don't I don't see it with Wisconsin. I I think that I I don't know what, who to choose between Wisconsin and North Carolina. I actually think Wisconsin can beat North Carolina, but I don't like them against Baylor. Though. Okay, so, all right, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Very good. Um, okay, so um, I, I I've I, I I've not even looked at a bracket yet. Just to let you know, I've really not even looked at one. Uh, Gonzaga is going to be my my favorite uh, when I start off with the uh, pencil, as Coach was saying, uh, I agree with you on Baylor and how just suffocating they could be. You go, I don't know if you've seen Baylor much. I was like, yeah, I've seen him in my nightmares when I <laughs> thought I was like a little, a good little point guard for St. Charles Red Wings in Lima. And I'm like, if that guy's guarding me in the backcourt, that's trouble. Uh, I'm really disappointed for Michigan because I wanted to take them a, a long way. And uh, I do think Illinois is there. So, uh, in a word, because we just got about a couple minutes left uh, here, um, you going more chalk, Drew? You going more favorites this year? Because I think lots of things you just don't know. This is a year that you just do not know with the venues and the 
lack of travel and the quarantine or the, you know, the bubble and all of those things, um, more likely to go chalk or more likely to uh, pick some upsets? It's interesting because uh, when, you, when you talk bubble, it's not the, quite the same, but all, you think about the Miami Heat and the NBA uh, and yeah. how they caught fire within that bubble. And then all of a sudden it was like, oof, nobody, you know, until they ran some injuries and, and LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, so there, you're, you're right. You're on to something there in terms of, you know, the right team, lower seed can get hot and, and, and within that bubble and get it going. But now it's, you know, it's a little bit different. There are different venues. Um, but I, in terms of advancing all the way to the final four, I like, I like the chalk this year. My, my quote unquote, Wisconsin pick that dad chose would be Loyola over Illinois. I think they, I think they actually match up really well with Illinois, um, both inside with their guards. Loyola has as, as athletic as anybody on the wings. Um, and so I, I really, really like that game. And, and if, if I were to go off the reservation a little bit and, and choose someone, um, that wasn't chalk. I, I, I would take Loyola. Yeah. Uh, okay, Coach. Any other final thoughts uh, as we uh, wrap this one up? Of the thirty-two games, I have thirty chalk picks to answer your chalk question. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first round. I love I, it. I love know, it. That, you know, that that could bite me too. So, you know, it, it, it all depends on how it goes. And uh, Matt, I want to say before we close, uh, I, I appreciate your attempt at uniting a father son. <laughs> uh, he's he's so busy with the two little ones right it's, now. He has hardly had time for us to really sit down and talk basketball too much. But we find a way in between, and we actually squeeze some golf discussion in there as well. Drew likes golf like I do, especially at the professional level. Uh, he he watches. But uh, thank you so much for the opportunity, and I want to wish the Northwest Ohio fans rooting for their high school teams. Uh, I want to wish them the best, and obviously uh, go Buckeyes in the tournament and and. Uh, and let's put an end to a, a very tough year and hopefully have yeah. some good feelings about it here in the next couple of weeks. Good thoughts. Uh, two years ago, Drew, the defending champs are uh, the Virginia uh, Cavaliers. They won 85-77 to 77 against Texas Tech. If, I just want our audience to image that. That that, that was the last time that uh, the uh, final was played. 2019, it was in Minneapolis. Uh, Virginia 35 and three. They beat Texas Tech 85 to 77 in OT. That was a great game. I remember, Coach, you and Jan were over for the uh, uh, the semifinals, and Auburn and Virginia had a battle, and Texas Tech uh, I think won by 10 against Michigan State uh, in that year. And if you go back two years, uh, you got Villanova beating Michigan. It was Jay Wright beating uh, John Beeline and Xavier Simpson in 2017. Believe it or not, the Blue Bloods, UNC wins over Gonzaga. I didn't even remember that. I remember a lot of Final Fours. Did not remember that. That was UNC over Gonzaga. And so uh, we go all the way back two years ago, Virginia beating Texas Tech. They're the defending champs. Drew, uh, final thoughts on this. Really appreciate you being a part of the uh, the podcast. No, similar thoughts to Dad. I really appreciate you bringing us on and uh, uh, getting a chance to talk. I feel like uh, uh, my... 10-month-old son has had to hear all these takes uh, that, that I just gave here. I've been bouncing them off of him. Uh, and so to, to, to get a chance to, uh, to, to to spend some time with you guys and, and uh, like I said, uh, everything you do with this podcast, I love I love listening when it pops up uh, just to take me back to uh, to the roots, Northwest Ohio, and uh, keep you, you guys keep me plugged in uh, to what's going on. And 
Uh, so I, I'm appreciative of it. I'm appreciative of what you're of what you're doing with this podcast. Hey, I hey, I really uh, really grateful to have you guys on a great one of my favorite all time father son combos. Uh, go sister Jean. Jean, I, I, I hear she's still alive with uh, Loyola Chicago. I hear she's 101. Is that is that right? 101 and headed down to Indianapolis. I just saw today. She's uh, she's vaccinated and, and, and headed down to, to to go check them out. Good for her. Uh, yep. That's exciting. All right, guys. Hey, really appreciate it. Thanks to uh, Westgate Entertainment Center for uh, being the presenting sponsor of Lima Land Hoops and History. Good luck to uh, as uh, Coach Adams said. Uh, the Northwest Ohio teams, uh, Shawnee, OG, Columbus Grove, Botkins, down at the University of Dayton. Uh, we'll look forward to that, and uh, we'll have some reports on it right here on the Lima Land Hoops and History podcast. For uh, Coach Adams and Coach Adams, it's Drew Adams and Chris Adams. Uh, I'm Matt Shoulders, everybody. Make it a great week. March Madness is upon us. Hope you have a great week, and uh, your bracket doesn't get busted too early, everybody out there in our audience. Have a great week, everybody.